back to the Vine Church Podcast. Pastor Zach here. I preached a sermon last Sunday. Uh, let's see, what was the date of that sermon? That would have been the 19th of April. Um, if you're wanting to listen to that sermon that I'll be responding to in this podcast, you could check that out on the website um, under Church Discipline or Church Discipline, What Is It, Why We Do It? That was preached on April 19th. And that sermon garnered a lot of questions, probably the most questions we've ever had when it comes to responding to sermon questions. And so I'm excited to attempt to engage with some of these questions today, and I'm going to do my best. Um, Sometimes these issues are very complex when it comes to being sinned against or seeking to help someone who is in sin, not necessarily against you. And so I'm going to do my best uh, to draw your attention to what the Bible might say or assimilating biblical wisdom in what I might say, but there's always more to say. Uh, I'm not the final answer. I'm not the final authority on any of this stuff. I'm just going to do my best to respond to these questions. So we've got a lot of them here. Let's get into it here. First question is, what is the line of gossiping within marriage? Should I share my frustrations about another person to my spouse or only address the conflict between me and the person and keep my spouse out of it? Well, I, I think I'm not sure what the, the black and white answer here is, but I think here's some things you should consider. Is it necessary to talk to my spouse? Um, in my life, there have been things that happened to me as a pastor that interactions that I have with people that aren't really that big of a deal. Um, I don't really need help processing it that much, or maybe the elders um, are going to help me think through that one. But sometimes it's weighing on me so heavy that it's maybe affecting my behavior and I want my wife to know what's going on. I don't want to keep anything from her. I think, you know, the Bible assumes that we are one flesh. We uh, talk about everything. We don't hide from each other. Um, unless we absolutely have to in terms of maybe some scenario where I really need to protect Kim from something. Um, But those situations would be very, very rare uh, and very unique. I I always want to advocate for no secrets in marriage, um, no hiding from one another. And so, yeah, it it may be necessary. It may be important for me to uh, share with my wife what's going on um, and ask her for help. Now, where we get into trouble is if we're just constantly harping on it, if it's like this thing that becomes the center of our conversations. And that can that can quickly, I know, turn into pride where it just, it's like... Man, I'm so disappointed in this person and man, praise God that I'm not like them. 
Um, very, very quickly, there can be an air of self-righteousness, uh, uh, an air of superiority that can creep in, um, as opposed to a humility that says, man, I'm no better than this person. Yeah, it, honestly, it really hurts me what happened. Um, and, and I want to deal with that in a way that's, that's seeking to glorify God. But I'm no better than this person. Um, I need grace just as much as they do. Uh, I need to repent just as much as they do. So it's just dangerous. Like talking about it constantly can can be really dangerous. Um, there's a degree to which we probably need to talk to the Lord about it more than we talk to others about it. But I, I don't know that the Bible's going to give us like hard and fast lines. It's one of those things where we need to um, pray and open the scriptures and just ask God to help us glorify him in the situation. So should you talk to your spouse? Yeah, probably sometimes. Um, but just asking some questions pertaining to wisdom, like what's helpful? What's what, How can I glorify God in this situation? How can I help my spouse in this per- situation? Like, and, and is it really necessary? Um, I think that's something I would say about that. Uh, Second question, do we have an obligation to confront sin of our brothers or sisters in Christ that is not against us? Yeah, I I think, um, again, like wisdom would say, uh, like, is this my place? Um, If it's, you know, like a, a blatant sin, then I think, yeah, definitely the Bible says there's a category for rebuke, Um, you know. Second Corinthians three sixteen. All Scripture is is God breathed um, and profitable for teaching, correcting, uh, rebuking, training in righteousness. And correcting and rebuking, I think, depends on your translation, but that's the idea. Um, Galatians six one says that if anyone is caught in a transgression, you you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So the, the assumption of the Christian community is that um, if we see others engaged in sin, yeah, we should, we should call that out in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of love, not in a spirit of condemnation. And Hebrews 3 says um, that we should encourage one another daily so that we are not hardened by the, desin- uh, by the deceitfulness of sin. So the assumption there, and I've preached on this text um, many times, that, man, sin is deceitful, and it can deceive all of us. So we need to collectively be looking out for each other, saying, hey, that's sinful. That's deceitful. You're getting sucked in there by a lie, by deceit. Like, Let me help pull you out of that. Don't go that way. It's going to ruin you. Like That should be normative in our Christian community, that we love one another enough to do so. And we don't do it with a spirit of, of, of self-righteousness. We don't do it with a spirit of like smug superiority. We do it with a spirit of compassion. We do it with a spirit of gentleness. Um, and so, yeah, like we are called to do that. Um, that's not really what our text was about in Matthew 18, but other biblical passages speak to that. Next question. Might it be proper to skip step one, one-to-one confrontation, um, referring to the text here, Matthew 18, verse 15? Might it be proper to skip step one when the relationship itself is toxic? 
when there's not trust or good faith between the two actors? Um, maybe it, it might depend on the, the circumstances. Um, I, I would, I would be hesitant to, to deviate from the script here. Um, somebody's toxicity as a human being, I'm using that word that was used here in the question. That's not really your concern. Um, I think that's why there is step two, uh, because step one isn't working. And so I I would tend to say, give step, step, step one, a a chance, go to the person privately. Um, if there's a backdrop of that, just not going well, like if you've tried this before, this person just has no ears to hear and is super defensive and doesn't want to engage with anything when you, even when you come in a spirit of humility and gentleness, um, you know, the Bible says, yeah, that's the point where you should probably get some more people involved. Um, I know sometimes in relationships, it just feels scary. Like this person is toxic. This person has an anger problem. This person flies off the handle. This person feels irrational, but I think at least being able to say, man, I, I trusted God's word here. I did what it said. I tried to do my best. I, I want to believe that by faith. And then maybe you're going to more quickly go to step two. Um, but I think what the question is saying is like, this person doesn't feel safe. Um, and I get that. I think um, there's definitely, definitely um, a blessing in having witnesses in a, in a really tense or challenging conversation. So, you know, especially in, in a place like the workplace or... Um, Or maybe, you know, relationships at church or, or in the neighborhood, um, just so you don't devolve into like a, he said, she said thing. But I think that that can definitely happen. I'm just not sure I'm comfortable with saying, yeah, just skip step one. If you kind of subjectively feel like it's not safe, um, like, of, of course, if someone, if you don't feel safe, like physically, you don't feel safe in terms of like. Um, somebody accusing you of something while meeting with them in private. Well, maybe you can try to chat with them privately, but in a public space um, that, that might help as well. So, yeah, I know like, gosh, these situations um, it's hard to give a blanket answer because there's in any tense situation like this with people that are challenging or, or whatever, uh, there's lots of details that might inform a decision. And so I think that just needs to be said in terms of all of this stuff. Let's go to the next question. Do you have any suggestions for the most effective way to handle the one-on-one conversation with your brother who has sinned, brother or sister who has sinned, balancing directness and truth with encouragement and hope? Well, I said this at the end of the sermon, and I think it's really important that the first question you should ask yourself is, does this person know that I love them? It, meaning, is there evidence that I love them? And I talked to specifically about the evidence of consistent encouragement. Like, have you encouraged this person in the past? Like, um, would they be able to say that you're for them and that you've testified 
or they could testify to that with your actions and your words. Like, for example, my wife knows that I'm for her. Like I tell her I love her every day. Um, we, we've walked through, you know, hundreds of hard things over the 25 years we've been together. Uh, we have lots of relational data to draw upon for her to believe and for me to believe that we are for each other. We're not against each other. And so when she comes to me with a correction, when she comes to me and says, hey, I feel like you've sinned against me here, um, which, which happens, you know, in marriage, it's easy for me to not be defensive because I've got so much relational data to draw upon of her encouraging me, of her loving me, of her being for me. And so I think the same is true with one another in the church. And so that's why if, if our community is a community of encouragement where we encourage one another every single chance we can get, you look someone in the eye and you say, Hey, you did a great job here. You look someone in the eye and say, Hey man, I really appreciate your parenting. You look someone in the eye and say, Hey, I really appreciate how you're serving around this church. I see it. Um, like if, if that's normative in our culture, where we just have this overlapping network of relationships that are just built on encouragement. It makes correction that much easier because you know, the person loves you. I think that's, that's a real foundational thing. I think another thing is uh, tone of voice, the words that you choose. Um, I think, you know, starting off by saying, Hey, I just want you to know that I love you and I care about you. And, and there's something I've been thinking about that. I just feel compelled to share with you. Would that be okay? Asking for permission. Um, I think that's really, really good. We're never going to do these perfectly. And so it's like, if you wait until you do it perfectly, you're probably never going to, um, do it correctly. And, And here's the other tricky thing that you just have to be aware of. And we live in a fallen world and these situations are horrible sometimes because they, the person can turn it around on you. And this is why getting more people involved in witnesses, um, you know, anybody can feel or claim that they have been, um, offended by you in your, in your confrontation of them, or anybody can say that they feel or. Or, or, or are offended by the word choice that you used as you attempted to confront them. And oftentimes um, what can happen is it, it gets turned back around on you. And I've had that happen and it's really, really challenging because it's like, I, if that's how you feel, like I can't change that, but it's like, uh, like, I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't intend that though. I'm not sure how you interpreted it that way, but I guess you did. And that's why having other people involved, having witnesses in the room is really, really important. Um, where, where someone can say, yeah, I, I think you were a little harsh there. Or someone can say, you know what? Like the words you used were great. The tone of voice you had, was great. Um, I think this person is just trying to manipulate the situation because they don't want to confront the things that you've been confronting them on. And, and we've seen that happen. Um, I've had that happen to me and it's, 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 it really sucks. Um, there's nothing you can really do about that. It's, it's, it doesn't happen to me all the time. It hasn't happened all the time, but, um, and, and here's the reality. No one's going to do it perfectly. So if you need to say, Hey, I, I used the wrong word choice there. I'm sorry, but can we talk about this thing instead of like having it be this distraction of, of like, 
I'm trying to come in love to you to, to, to address a, a sin issue and you've turned it around back around on me. And now we're just talking about me. And it's like, well, I guess we can talk about me if you want, but, but brother or sister, like I'm concerned about this thing. Um, can we talk about that maybe first and just do that first? And then if you have things you want to say back to me, like I'm all ears, you know? So it's, it's challenging at times. It's challenging, but may that not instill fear in us to not want to be obedient to what Jesus says here. Let's keep going. Proverbs 19.11 says, God, uh, Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Is, quote, offense not a sin in this instance? Or is this verse calling us to discernment on the level of offense and whether or not you're able to move on and not harbor bitterness? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think one of the ways to think about this is um, how does the Lord treat us? So obviously we receive grace upon grace from the Lord um, in that every time we sin, we are not judged immediately. Uh, Christ was judged for us in our place. So there is no final going to hell condemnation judgment for those who are in Christ. You could also think about this uh, in the Old Testament sense where God does not punish immediately every sin as it happens. He does do that sometimes. Um, he does that in the New Testament as well. Um, but we live under this massive umbrella of grace where God does not give us what we deserve. In fact, he gives us the opposite of what we deserve. And so he overlooks offenses in the sense that we don't bear the judgment. The judgment was bore by Christ. So in this sense, overlooking an offense um, is one of the things that God does. Now, that doesn't mean that his justice is not poured out. It's poured out on the substitute instead of our place, in our place, instead of us. And so God is still just and his wrath is still poured out. We just, he just bears it on himself. And that's the thing with forgiveness. There's a price to be paid um, with overlooking an offense. There's a price to be paid. You bear that on yourself. You bear the weight of that. You carry that. And, and, and I've, I've felt that. I know what that's like. It's not easy. Just like the cross, it wasn't easy for Jesus to bear the weight of our sin. So if you overlook an offense, um, how can you not entrench yourself in bitterness? Well, I think it's reminding yourself that this is who God is. And you take on a Jesus-shaped reality in your life when you seek to reflect him in that as you bear the offense of another that has not been, um, forgiveness was not asked for and you've chosen to overlook it. I think there's, there's goodness in that. I think Matthew 18 just also says that if you've been sinned against, it is good at times to go and talk about that. Um, and so when to overlook or another way to say it, is that, you know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. When to let love just cover that and when to go to that person in love and confrontation. Um, it's a judgment call. 
it's a judgment call. Um, and that's something where, again, you might need to check in with your spouse. You might need to check in with an elder um, and say, hey, help me think this through. I, this, I don't want this to be gossip. And I don't think this is the category of gossip when you're seeking counsel. Um, as long as that person, whether it's your spouse or an elder or a city group leader or a trusted friend, is not sharing this with anybody else and is making sure to hold you accountable to actually talk to that person. If you never go talk to that person and seek to resolve it, um, that's probably just going to end with it feeling like a gossipy thing. Um, and there's a way to to talk about it where you don't even name drop the person and and then it runs the risk even less of being gossip. Um, but yeah, seeking counsel for what's the pathway of wisdom here. Cause I might be wrong. I, I maybe this isn't a sin. Maybe I just need to let this one go. Um, and I need someone to help me think that through, you know, there's a biblical category for that and seeking counsel, but when to apply what and how uh, it, it's, it's a judgment call. And so I think, um, for sure, if every single time you're sinned against in the slightest way you go and confront that person, you're probably in the wrong. And if every single time uh, when you're sinned against, you never confront that, uh, you're, you're probably in the wrong. So prayer, seeking wise counsel, reading God's word is going to help us navigate those waters, I think. What if a church leader changes their perspective on different controversial issues such as LGBTQ? Um, how should how should Christians respond? Well, I think this is this is um, probably in the category of of false teaching um, when someone goes. Clearly, against what the Bible says is true when it comes to sex and gender, um, then we would seek to correct that. Um, it's not necessarily a sin against you, but it might be more Galatians six one, where a person is caught up in a transgression, or this person is believing lies, um, that we would seek to address it, and that would also be. Um, something that the church would want to address and, and make sure that we are holding to right doctrine um, for our members. Next question. Can this passage be applied to conflict resolution with non-believers? Are there other third parties who typically should involve if things can't be resolved one-on-one? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we hopefully, well, we probably don't have the same expectations of unbelievers. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's wisdom here for going to someone in private. Like who doesn't, I mean, who wants to do, do like confrontation in public at first? Like it just feels like honoring to the person to do it in private, uh, whether they're a Christian or not. And so, you know, if it doesn't go well, uh, asking for more witnesses, I think is, is really important. So you, again, so you don't just devolve into the, he said, she said thing. If it's at work, it's maybe one of your superiors. Um, if it's between kids in the home, like we do with our kids, you know, like what we always say when they're little and to this day, it's like, if you have a problem with that person, she stole my toys or she, she hit me like, well, you need to go talk to them. And if it, and what we always say is if it doesn't go well, you let me know and then I will come help you. 
And so that's kind of the mantra at our home with our kids. Um, and that could really be true as well in the workplace. Um, it could be true, uh, with the roommate situation. Um, yeah, it could be true in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I say, give it a shot. Now, of course, um, the later steps aren't really going to work because if you tell it to the church, it's not really the church's place to, to get involved with a situation with an unbeliever who's not a member of your church. And so probably just step one and step two. Uh, and then there may be just practical wisdom beyond that. If it's a situation at work or a situation in the neighborhood or with roommates or something like that. Uh, next question. Should the person quote going to the, to another have an invested relationship with them? Yeah, I think, um, I think it really wise. Is it required? Probably not. Um, but it's probably going to go a little better if there's an invested relationship just because there's data of like, yeah, you love me, you care about me, but I don't think it's required. I don't think it's required. And, um, and it depends on what the sin issue is. Like if someone is, if I see someone like being violent with somebody else on a Sunday morning or in the parking lot, like whether I have a relationship with them or not, I'm probably going to speak up and say, Hey, that's not cool. We can't do that. Uh, what the heck is going on here? Um, that's an extreme example, but you could like, you know, ratchet it down in intensity from there and do thought experiments. Um, whether like, you know, I, I'm, I am going to get involved whether I have a relationship with them or not, uh, because this is wrong. Um, but I think if at all possible, yeah, having invested a relationship is really important. It will really help the process go well. When is it more appropriate to forgive and choose to forget isolated sins committed against me rather than bring it to the individual for growth and sanctification? I think another angle on this, is, this question was already kind of asked, but another angle on it is like asking yourself, am I sensing that a root of bitterness is growing up in my heart? I mean, that's what Hebrew says, allow no root of bitterness to, to grow up. Um, am I sensing that, that I'm really just struggling to let it go? Am I struggling to um, believe the best about this person to, to wish the best about this person? Is it just kind of like this burden that I'm carrying? Uh, does it feel like there's an elephant in the room when I'm around this person? Um, yeah, maybe it is time then to really talk to them about it and be honest with them about it. Um, I think that's another angle on it. Let's keep going here. What's the difference between processing the situation, explaining it to the people in your life that you're having, that you're having a hard time and gossiping? Um, again, we talked about this already. I'm not sure what the, uh, the difference or the hard line is uh, between sharing in your city group, for example, that I'm really having a hard time right now in this relational situation. If you, if you, if you don't name the person, I think it's safe. Um, I would have a hard time seeing how naming the person uh, in a in a big group like that would be helpful. And so, what's the difference between sharing and that you're that it's really affecting you emotionally and gossiping about the person? Well, I think you know you know in your heart when it's when it's crossed over to to gossip. Um, 
again, like, I just want to repeat, like, is it necessary? Is it helpful for me to share this with another person? And if so, why and how, like, why is it necessary and how is it helpful? Um, it may be helpful to, if, if, if at all possible, um, like I have a counselor that I see just to help me, um, just be healthy, a biblical counselor that doesn't go to our church that doesn't live in this state. Um, so I might process things with her who's pretty objective. She doesn't know anybody really at our church. Um, and I don't even need to name names, but that's helpful. I mean, that could happen maybe with a parent that you trust, uh, really share this with, with that person. Uh, if there's a trusted relationship there, uh, help me figure this out. Um, this is really burdening me. Um, I think that that could be another way to go about it, but I just think we probably err on the side of quote processing way too much, uh, because it's, it's really easy. Uh, it, 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 I don't know. It can just make us feel justified or, or, or vindicated somehow. And I, I think I speak from experience here. Like, I think that's dangerous territory. Um, but it's just so normal. It's just so normal that I don't even think we reflect on it. And again, I'm not advocating that you stuff everything um, and just everything's fine. Nope, fine. We're fine. Nope, everything's fine. Like you don't want to be that person. But at the same time, you just don't want to be the person that's just like every time that you have a burden about something relationally that. It, it has to get processed with everybody or um, like there can be, there can be not honest enough and there can be way too honest or inappropriately honest based on the context that you're in or something like that. Again, all of this, all this to say is we just need discernment. Like, Lord, would you give us discernment? Would you help us have discernment in terms of these things? Um, I don't know what the hard and fast black and white lines are, but I know I want to keep in step with the spirit. I know I want to be saturated with scripture so that I have moment by moment wisdom to help me answer the question. Is this necessary? Is this helpful? Um, is this good for my heart right now? Is this good for the person listening? Like Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen. Is this beneficial to this person listening, listening to me? So just some like, hopefully just general Bible wisdom that you can apply on a moment by moment basis as you submit to the spirit and the scriptures. I think that's it. Uh, that's, that's probably enough for today. Such great questions. I really appreciate you guys at the vine, um, asking such good questions. This topic is really where, where a lot of us live. Um, it's kind of like ground zero for a lot of us. And, and so I'm really thankful for asking questions. Please continue to ask questions. Uh, we want to be a community where questions are always welcome and uh, you should not feel ashamed for asking a question, even if it feels like a, a real basic question, like bring it. That's okay. It's okay. We're all on the journey of discipleship somewhere. And so um, don't be ashamed to ask a question anytime. 
And so if you have any follow-ups you want to talk to me about or, or our elders or a city group leader, um, please feel free to do that. We're always available. We're always around. We're easy to reach. Um, and so don't be afraid to do that. That's it. Signing off for today. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.